Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. This is Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss, and we are very excited to have four guests with us this morning. have a lot of subject matter to talk about, but before we get into that, Lou, do we have any uh, breaking news or a postscript from last week's show? Well, the show, I think the show is really so important at a, at a, <laughs> a very incredible time while we're on the air, so we're going to do away with uh, postscripts from last week's show. I just suggest that our listeners go to mfgtalkradio.com and uh, take a listen to our show or shows. There's a, over 100 shows now, and that's at mfgtalkradio.com. Uh, the news, the news of the day is that we have some very special guests on regarding XM Bank uh, reauthorization or not. And uh, uh, Jim, why don't you do the uh, introduction of our four guests and uh, let's get the conversation rolling. Thanks, Lou. I would like to uh, go through these introductions one by one, starting with Congresswoman Debbie Dingell from the 12th District of Michigan, who's been on our show before talking about the XM Bank reauthorization, and we certainly appreciate her time because sometime later today there's supposed to be some votes going on on this very subject. Debbie, uh, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's good to be with both of you, and I'm eternally grateful for the support that you give to keeping manufacturing in this country. Uh, well, thank we, you uh, very much. We're big proponents of not just manufacturing, but the bank itself, and we're, we're uh, cheering for it. I know that Lauren Wilk, who's the Director of Trade Facilitation Policy for the National Association of Manufacturers, is going to be on Capitol Hill this afternoon. She's on our show this morning talking about uh, uh, the reauthorization. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So glad to be here. We also have Don Nelson, who's principal and president of ProGage Technologies. He has actually used XM Bank. He's a small business, so for all of the, the noise we hear about, it's only the big guys and it's uh, crony capitalism. Uh, that's not, not the case with ProGage Technologies. He was also a member of the 2015 Advisory Committee to the Export-Import Bank. Don, welcome to our show. Yes, thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be here. And Linda Conlon, who is currently president of the World Trade Center of Greater Philadelphia, who was formerly the vice chair of the board of directors of the Export-Import Bank, is on with us today. Linda, thank you for joining us. Very happy to be here this morning. Um, let me jump to you first, uh, Congresswoman, and if maybe you could give us an update. I'm going to ask Lauren the same thing, because both of you are right on top of this issue. Very hot happening today. Um, what are your expectations? for this afternoon? Well, uh, last night we moved forward with a petition to uh, have a vote on Export-Import Bank. 62 Republicans joined 184 Democrats to bring the Export-Import Bank vote directly to the floor. And I'm hopeful that those same 62 Republicans will join with the Democrats today a very bipartisan bill. I wish we don't wouldn't have to think about this as being a partisan bill, and pass through the House authorization to continue the export import bank. 
I think it's critical. Don, you uh, actually used the bank, and it's obviously got to be important to uh, ProGage Technologies. Could you share a little bit about that with our listeners, you know, what the bank is to you, what it does for you, why it's important? Sure. Yeah, we've uh, been using the Export-Import Bank since about 2006. Uh, we import, uh, we, we manufacture process equipment for the oil industry, and we export a lot of equipment to the Middle East, South America, different parts of the world. And when we take orders, uh, we're required to put up a bank guarantee. And using the XM Bank, it, it allows us to use our working capital guarantee program to where we, we as a small business, only have to put up 25% collateral. And without XM Bank, we're required to put up 100% collateral. So on small projects, we can do that. But on, you know, a $40 million job, we can't do that. Uh, so it's really, it's, it's critical uh, to, to have access to the XM Bank. John, uh, go ahead, Luke. Uh, while uh, Don was talking about XM Bank, I think it might be important for our listeners to hear, uh, you know, an elevator pitch version of the 81 years that XM Bank has been around so that our listeners have a, a better understanding about how long it's here and how long it's been doing good stuff. So, Don, can you give us just a, a brief 80-year history in about three, three four minutes? <laughs> Well, to be honest with you, I, I didn't even know the bank existed before 2006, so I probably am not the best one to answer that. Um, uh, Linda Conlon probably is because she you know, was one of the uh, board members of the XM Bank uh, several years ago. So I'll think so I'll why don't we toss that one back to Linda. <laughs> Linda, you're on. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Lou. Uh, the Export-Import Bank of the United States, or XM as it's called, is uh, our official export credit agency for the United States. It's really an independent, uh, self-sustaining uh, executive branch agency, and the mission of, of the agency is to support uh, American jobs by facilitating the export of U.S. goods and services uh, through things like ex export credit insurance, uh, loans, and loan guarantees. And the important thing here is that um, it's a very competitive global environment. There are some over 80 export credit agencies in the world all supporting their exporters. So it's critical that the United States uh, maintains uh, this kind of support uh, largely for small and medium-sized businesses as well as large manufacturers that support a lot of a lot of uh, jobs uh, as well. I mean, the interesting thing is that over 90% of XM's transactions directly support uh, small businesses. And uh, let me just add one more point, that the XM Bank does not compete with the private sector but provides financing that fills in the gaps in trade financing. In other words, the kinds of transactions that banks, commercial banks, would be unwilling to do were it not the, for the support of XM Bank. Well, let me ask you this, this question then. Uh, this sounds pretty good. Uh, we're a small business. We manufacture uh, steel forgings. Um, and um, everything you just mentioned sounds great. So why is 
half of Congress or two-thirds of Congress against it. So I'm, I'm gonna, this yeah. is Debbie, and I want to um, sort of come in a little and talk about this. Because I knew that. The bank <laughs> <the base> mandate <laughs> is to step in when private lending is not available and to provide financing that levels the playing field for American exporters when foreign governments provide financing for their companies. So in this global marketplace, we are competing with governments that are are lending money to their companies to help them be successful in the global marketplace. And you may get into when you are, you know, I've got exporters in my district from people that are doing things for roofs to pavement for roads. And they're doing things in some politically unstable companies, and private banks are worried about uh, those political factors. So that's why it's so important that the Export Import Bank supports American job creators and helps American businesses succeed abroad. There are political risks or uncontrollable situations that make a bank get nervous. There are some Republicans that just don't want to see our government help. They don't want to see our government give that kind of support. They think it's a private sector role. But what they're not looking at is the fact that what we've done to the banks and the kinds of laws that we have passed, putting restrictions on the banks, have made it very, very difficult for uh, them to be able to get that kind of money. So, for instance, China's doubled down on their export credit agency assistance. In the past two years, China's provided its exporters $670 billion in financing, more than the XM has financed in the past eight decades. And yet these Republicans are, this isn't a, a role that government should play. And I would argue it's exactly the role that government needs to play to support American businesses competing in a global marketplace. And by the way, this bank has never cost our budget anything. So true, and that's what we're reading. Lauren, I want to go to you for a minute and find out what your members are saying and what you're hearing from Capitol Hill, because I know this is a very active issue in your offices at the moment. Lauren? Yeah, it sure is. So I would say big picture, exports have been just a real key factor for manufacturers uh, in their growth over the last few years, especially with you know some headwinds here domestically. Uh, more and more companies are looking overseas for new customers. And uh, as the Congresswoman stated, uh, often they run into problems with financing, whether that's financing for the customer or just getting working capital to buy the equipment or pay the workers uh, that they need you know, to, to, in order to make the goods for export. So there are some unique challenges with exports, and that's where Exim Bank comes in, and they provide working capital, uh, loan guarantees for customers, and other financing um, tools that are useful for those businesses, big and small, who are doing deals all over the world. Um, I should also say there are certain customers in um, foreign countries particularly in the energy and infrastructure space that require uh, a state-backed export credit agency to participate in a deal for that company to even bid on the project. So uh, that's another reason why Exxon plays such a key role. But so we're seeing companies, you know, in every state of all sizes across a lot of different kinds of sectors who have turned to XM Bank for help to grow their exports. And they're just in a real panic over the, the lapse of the bank's authorization. You know, since July 1st, the bank hasn't been able to take on any new deals or, uh, or add customers to existing uh, insurance policies. And 
that's a real problem for companies that want to grow and hire. Um, and so we're, we've made it a real priority for the NAM to push for a reauthorization, a long-term reauthorization, so companies have the stability to make investments and, and go after customers and bid on projects. So we're really hopeful that the House will pass today the long-term reauthorization that's already seen great support in the Senate. The Senate has voted several times already on uh, the same version of Exim Bank that's going to be taken on the House floor today. So we are very hopeful that there's going to be a strong bipartisan support for that bill. You know, as the Congresswoman stated last night, there were 246 yes votes for a motion to discharge and bring that bill to the floor. I'm guessing we're going to see an even bigger number today uh, for the final passage of that bill. And then we'll, we still have to work toward a final passage. This is not the end of the road, but it's going to bring us a lot closer uh, to getting the, the bank reauthorized and back up and running uh, for new deals. Can, can you explain for a moment the, uh, the discharge petition? <laughs> sure. So it is if a a rarely used tactic, but it's a part of the House rules, and uh, basically it allows a uh, majority of the House to force action on a bill and to discharge a committee of its responsibility to act on a bill. So, you know, everyone knows when you introduce a bill, it gets referred to a committee, and the committee is then supposed to act on that bill, that sort of regular order. You would have a, a hearing or a markup of a bill through committee, and then it would come to the floor uh, for action. With the discharge process, if the committee has failed to act on a bill that's been introduced and referred to them, the, uh, um, any member can initiate a discharge petition, and if it gets 218 signatures, then, um, then it goes on the discharge calendar. There are some um, interesting uh, parameters for that discharge calendar. For example, it can only be considered on the second and fourth Mondays of the month. Uh, so yesterday was one of those dates, fortunately. There actually aren't any more this year. So yesterday was, was the window for the discharge petition. So what we saw last night was uh, Congressman Steve Fincher from Tennessee. He brought, he uh, made the motion to discharge the Rules Committee of its responsibility for a, a rule. And then uh, there was a vote last night on that. So that was successful. What we'll see today is a vote on the rule that was discharged and then a vote on the underlying bill. So it's a little bit of an arcane House procedure. It's very rarely used, uh, but it is something that's been a part of the House rules for uh, almost a century and uh, something that, you know, a, a bipartisan group in particular, uh, that's a majority in the House, can utilize to, to force action on a bill. Fascinating. Uh, amazing how probably little we understand about how Congress operates. Uh, Linda, I want to go to you just for a moment because and please understand this is not a shot because we don't take shots at the Honorable Congresswoman Debbie Dingell uh, because I'm going to ask Congressman Dingell to address this as well. But Linda, there seem to be multiple sets of facts in Washington. The facts from the Democrats, the facts from the Republicans, the real facts, things that are more like factoids that look back and smell like facts but aren't facts at all. What are the real facts about the XM Bank and its numbers? You know, we hear on one side of the coin it doesn't cost the American people anything. It contributes to the Treasury. On the other side of the coin we hear, no, in fact, it does cost money, and it could be as much as $2 billion uh, if, if, if. What are the real numbers, Linda? 
Well, as, as a matter of fact, uh, the XM Bank has uh, returned money to the U.S. Treasury over and above its operating uh, costs. Uh, last year, I believe it was something like $675 million that was returned to uh, the U.S. Treasury. Um, the XM Bank charges various fees, and particularly on the larger transactions, that is where it gets the, the, the revenue uh, or the funding to be able to support its overall uh, operation as, as well. So um, when, when people say that the larger transactions are transactions that shouldn't be undertaken uh, by XM Bank, uh, that in fact the uh, private sector should support this, you have to keep in mind that that really goes back into programs that help many small businesses have access to, uh, to financing uh, as, as well. Um, and the important thing is, if there were a level playing field, uh, there would be no need for uh, export credit agencies. But the level, the playing field is not level, and our exporters are competing with uh, companies around the world that are supported by their export credit agencies. So it's important that we provide our uh, U.S. companies with the tools they need uh, to to compete. Congressman, I want to go to you for a moment because I know that you're very pro on this issue, as we are very pro on this issue. Uh, we support uh, the reauthorization of the XM Bank, and we're all kind of scratching our heads, I think, wondering what's the opposition? What's the problem? So maybe you can give us your inside point of view on what you hear are the problems with this that we don't understand. Well, I don't understand it, quite frankly, and I, I, I don't because I, I know the importance of this, and I see it, you know, some people think, I mean, I'll be frank, that, you know, General Electric shouldn't be getting this kind of support. Well, they're operating in countries that they can't get the private financing. And, you know, since Congress allowed XM Chartered left on July 1st, we've seen what happened. General Electric said last month that they were left with no choice but to move 500 U.S. jobs overseas to countries mm-hmm. that support high-tech exports. You know, and, and Honeywell Ham's CEO, uh, David Coates, said the long-term absence of the bank is affecting their customers and the overall economy. He says it's putting his at risk. And I, I could go through all of the smaller people that I have in my district, There are just some people that philosophically don't think that there should be a bank. I disagree with them. I want to see this country succeed. I believe in supporting manufacturing. I believe in supporting creating jobs. I believe it's a legitimate role of government, and that's why I support this so strongly. I think that I've heard one story told, that the reason why the other guys don't like XM Bank is because they are claiming that the the credit risk falls back onto the taxpayer. And clearly history doesn't dictate that, and it shows just the opposite. So this goes back to the point that Tim was making, is that we get two different stories, one left, one right, one liberal, one Fox News, and we don't know what to believe. And I I guess... um, uh, Congresswoman, you're of the same feeling. Uh, from your I think last that's statement. true. But here, I mean, but what what is absolutely true is that the XM Bank 
is critical to small businesses in that it has not, it doesn't cost U.S. taxpayers a penny. That, in fact, due to fees and interest, the bank has generated $675 million in return for U.S. taxpayers just last year. But people don't know who to believe. There's so much static. There's so much stuff out there in the ethosphere. But what I just gave you is the total fact. And that's why it's so important for us to support it. Well, it's interesting. Please, Don, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, what she just mentioned about the $675 million return to the Treasury, uh, over and above the operating costs of the bank, they return $675 million. That's a huge number. So the taxpayers are benefiting from that. The one thing that no one ever seems to talk about is there's another return for the taxpayers, and that is, like I think last year, the export bank um, uh, helped $30 billion worth of exports. So that money is coming from out of our country into the United States, $30 billion. So federal, state, and local taxes get get paid on that revenue. So all across America, you're getting federal, state, and local taxes paid on all that import revenue. That's huge. That's a huge amount of taxes that are being paid that the taxpayers are benefiting from. So I think that's a that's something that that doesn't get brought up very often. And that doesn't even include the 1.3 million jobs related to uh, XM Bank business through the private enterprise. So there's income tax funds there as well. Yeah, and the other thing about risk uh, to the taxpayer, um, you know, we're a small business. Um, When we we get um, our support from the Export-Import Bank to do our bank guarantees, we're required to put up a corporate guarantee against that. We're also required to put up a personal guarantee. So the risk to the taxpayer is next to nothing. And, and Clearly. you know, like I said, yeah, yeah. So we're creating jobs. We're creating, you know, tax revenue. We're, cre- we're creating a return for the bank um, with next to no risk whatsoever to the bank. So uh, is one to assume then that the uh, right side of Congress just wants to be contrary, arbitrary, and to be not allowing the other guy to win? Well, my my philosophy is it's just an ideological position they've taken. I think some of the far-right um, um, Republicans – um, have promised to shrink big government, and I think what they've what they've done is they've chosen one of the smallest government entities in existence, and chose it as a target. Like if we can close at least you know one government entity that most Americans don't know about, we could probably get away with it, and then we can take credit for shrinking big government. That, that seems like a reasonable, unreasonable point. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the well there's, no logical ex- there's no logical explanation. No, that's you know, clear. One of, the I, one of the things I want to point out to our listeners is that, you know, when GE gets a loan from uh, 
or a loan guarantee from XM Bank. Everybody thinks, oh, GE doesn't need the money. But let's be clear about something. GE uses hundreds, if not thousands, of small businesses to produce the component parts that go into the end product. So the money doesn't just support GE. It supports hundreds of other companies, including one in Wisconsin that's shutting down right now because the XM Bank reauthorization didn't take place. So, I mean, it just screams to me as a listener and, and you know, as a broadcaster and somebody who was in the banking industry for 12 years that maybe Washington doesn't understand business, that it's they're a little out of tune. Uh, Congresswoman, what's your read of that? Well, I, I get frustrated some days that I think that people don't understand business, that they don't understand how business operates. A, We've changed a lot of our banking laws. We've changed a lot of things in the last couple of years. And it's really easy to give a talking point. We want to create jobs, but people don't understand the policy that's critical for making sure that you are supporting it. They don't understand the issues when you are trying to export to other countries, what happens when you've got OEMs and second-tier and third-tier suppliers and that a lot of these people are just, you know, one of the companies in my district is just making a, a, a small piece for gutters that are used in homes around the world. And they don't have their unlimited amounts of money to invest. So I, I think it's important that we keep trying to educate our colleagues about the importance of creating jobs and what the business requirements are. I, I, I don't want to attack people think. I'm tired of people attacking each other. I think we've got to do more to work with each other and communicate with each other and do a better job of trying to find common ground uh, than all this partisan bickering. And I, by the way, think the American people are tired of partisan bickering. I think they want to see us come together and solve problems. Oh, are we ever tired of it? That's for sure. Uh, Lauren, you made a very interesting statement earlier. 246 members of the House voted for the discharge petition, and you expect that number to go up, I sincerely hope you're right, this afternoon as the votes take place. Um, what are you hearing uh, from your members in terms of the importance of the export-import bank to them? So uh, we do hear from members uh, all the time of, of all sizes who um, – you know, particularly since June 30th, since the bank lapsed, about the impact that that closure has had on them. Uh, we actually took some of those anecdotes and combined them with some hard numbers uh, to quantify the impact on manufacturers of the bank's lapse and released last week a new report that put, uh, again, some numbers and some stories together um, on, the, on the impact to companies. And to take a look at, um, at some of the other folks on the call on the line have mentioned, uh, the the other the activity of the other export credit agencies around the world, 83 at last count, uh, export credit agencies competing uh, with the, the U.S. Exim Bank, um, and also just uh, what the the credit and liquidity crunch has meant for those companies. Uh, we've seen stories about satellite deals that have been lost because uh, the U.S. company can't offer financing to its foreign customer, and they've 
identified, that foreign customer identified Exim Bank as a must-have component of the deal. Uh, we've seen small companies who've lost out on uh, projects across a variety of markets, again, because they don't have the working capital without an Exim uh, loan guarantee uh, to back those foreign receivables. Um, we've also just seen projects in a holding pattern, unfortunately. Um, some customers can, can wait, um, but they're not going to wait forever. So the, uh, there's been some temporary layoffs in Texas from one company that we cited in the report last week uh, where they've had to lay off 24 people, I think, uh, hoping to bring them back as soon as Exxon Bank is back online to, to complete the project. But uh, those are real jobs, real people, real impacts to communities. And we're trying to tell that story on Capitol Hill so that, uh, so that members understand um, you know, that this is not an ideological battle. This is a, this is, you know, it, it really means something. Uh, and I'll just let you and, and your listeners know that report is posted on our NAM website, nam.org slash XM. We've got a bunch of resources there, uh, state-specific resources. One of the things that's great about XM Bank is they're really public and transparent about the transactions that they do, and they're all posted on, their, on the XM website. And we've uh, gathered those into some state fact sheets. So, uh, you know, different um, interests in the state and, and certainly members of Congress and their staff can see the impact to their state uh, really specifically over the last few years. And Thanks I also, Lou, if, if I may give give an example uh, of a company in, in Pennsylvania that has been impacted by the lack of uh, uh, reauthorization on, on XM Bank. Uh, as you know, we help companies in, in Pennsylvania and New Jersey by providing trade expertise, trade counseling, as well as access to uh, to the many tools that they can use to expand their their uh, their exports. Uh, WallQuest has been producing quality wallpapers for I think 30 years now. They're in Wayne, Pennsylvania. More than 90% of their wallpapers are manufactured uh, in. Uh, they more than 90% of the wallpapers that they manufacture in Pennsylvania are exported. Uh, when they started using XM Bank, uh, WallQuest was an 80-employee enterprise. Now, with X, through XM Bank support, they're up to 185 employees strong. So the lack of this kind of support is impacting their business, uh, and uh, they're just one example of the many small and medium-sized businesses with whom we work uh, that, uh, that are seeing an impact on their business. I'm sure that's true. Congresswoman, do I understand that you joined us after coming out of a uh, congressional committee and that you have to head back to Capitol Hill very shortly here? Well, I'm, I'm actually on Capitol Hill. I walked out of the caucus um, to talk to you, but we are talking about the budget deal that's been reached that we're also voting on this week. Ah, okay. Um, I don't know how long you're able to uh, stay with I'm us on this. I'm afraid that it's 10:30, and they are waiting for me in a committee. So you are going to have to forgive me for leaving. But I thank well, my other colleagues on here for doing such a good job of telling the story. We we thank you very much for joining thank us, you, and we appreciate your work on the Hill. Um, we are going to take a commercial break, and when we come back, we'll continue the discussion with our other guests. Thank you, Congresswoman. And, and, and as they very also. Much. As, as they also say, go and give them hell, Harry. Up on <laughs> Thank hill. you. I'm known for doing that. I've heard. Thank I've you heard. very much. Take care. Thank you very Bye-bye. much. Thank Bye-bye. you all. Have a good day and success you this too. afternoon. Take care. Thank you, yes. So we'll take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with Manufacturing Talk Radio. 
Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it. And it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We are uh, speaking with uh, several of our guests, uh, Congresswoman Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, had to go back into caucus uh, talking about the budget that has been passed. We are joined with uh, Linda Conlon, who's president of the World Trade Center of Greater Philadelphia, and Don Nelson, uh, who is president of Pogage Technologies, who's actually used the XM Bank. Uh, uh, Linda, you were the uh, former vice chair of the board of directors of Export-Import Bank, so you were right in the thick of things there. Um, What was your sense of uh, the bank being utilized by small business? It sounds like it was quite a bit. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Over 90% of of, uh, transactions are uh, supporting small and medium-sized businesses, but when you look at the volume uh, the volume is always going to be a little bit lower than some of the large transactions, whether it be uh, by fi- through the financing of of aircraft or caterpillar equipment uh, or or uh, jet engines. Uh, but if you look at the sheer number of transactions, it's in support of small and medium sized. Uh, businesses, uh, that's for sure, that need access to export credit insurance as well as working capital uh, support. And I have to tell you that uh, working at, at XM, I was always impressed by the the knowledge and the dedication uh, of the people working at the bank and uh, how stringent they were in assessing uh, credit risk. Uh, in fact, uh, when you look at the overall default rate of, of the bank, it's now it's something like less than uh, one-fifth of one percent. Uh, so uh, they very, very carefully assess risk at the bank when you uh, consider uh, risk to, to taxpayer money. Um, they carefully consider each transaction, and, and the rule was always 
is this transaction going to ensure a reasonable uh, assurance of, of, of repayment or provide a reasonable assurance of repayment? Um, and they always look carefully at, at transactions in that regard. Well, it's interesting that you bring up that point because that's one of the counterpoints that people point to in terms of risk exposure that these $27 billion in, in loan guarantees that are laid out there or whatever that number is, you probably have a better idea than I do, uh, exposes the American taxpayer, but the default rate is so ridiculously low. Uh, I would uh, suggest that they look at any other bank across the United States and measure they have a higher default rate than one-fifth of 1%. Uh, what, uh, uh, Don, was uh, your experience in terms of ease of use of the XM Bank? Yeah, it was extremely easy. Um, you know, we worked through our local bank, um, Wells Fargo, and so we deal only with Wells Fargo, and they are the coordinator with the Export-Import Bank. So all of our forms and paperwork and financials, all that information is is between our company and Wells Fargo. And then they have a coordinator within their bank that coordinates with the Export-Import Bank. So it's extremely seamless. Um, it's it's very painless. Um, it works it works very well. That's that's the whole issue. It, it's a system that works so well. It creates so many jobs, returns to taxpayers, and, you know, our government wants to shut down something that actually works well. Um, so it's, it's been <laughs> extremely, extremely easy to use, and it's a vital tool for, for us to do what we do. And I'll give you an example of, um, you know, we, we currently um, – are awaiting word on a, a, a bid for a multi-year project in the Middle East that's worth as much as $40 million. And uh, we were required, to, when we submitted our bid, to submit our execution plan of how, how we're going to execute the project, bank guarantee, all of that. And uh, basically what we came up with was, well, we know we can't get a bank guarantee for that amount. We can't put up 100% collateral. So we suggested that we fabricate in the country where the project is and bypass the bank guarantee. Um, so that's, that was our solution, was basically to move those jobs to the Middle East. Um, this particular project will probably create somewhere between 30 and 40 jobs. Um, unfortunately, probably 30 or 35 of those jobs will be created um, in that foreign country. And they will create about maybe five jobs for us in our office here locally. Um, and it's it's sad it didn't have to be that way. You know, the XM Bank, um, if it was here, we, we could have actually created all those jobs locally. Um, well, there there is one possible benefit, and that is uh, some of that $40 million is forgings. We sell forgings. Well, <laughs> yeah. No, actually, there there is no forgings. It's actually just raw steel that's cut and welded, and uh, you know it's fabricated from scratch. Um, right. So the you know the the fabrication uh, revenue will be spent in that foreign country. That's where that revenue will go, and that's where the yeah, jobs will go. 
it's clearly unfortunate. And, and I realize somebody may look at that and say, you know, gee, it's only 25 or 30 jobs, but 25 or 30 jobs. When you add them all up, the XM Bank is supporting 164,000 jobs directly, 1.3 million jobs indirectly. Don, you made a very interesting point that it's not just the $675 million that comes back to the U.S. Treasury. There's $27.4 billion of exports going on. There's taxes on that. The employees make money. There's taxes on that. So there's more benefit here than uh, immediately meets the eye that, that's being ignored. And, and then, although it's, it's, a, it's a sad chuckle, yes, the government, which doesn't do well in a lot of areas, is trying to shut down one thing that does work, I guess maybe they're afraid of having a success story on their hands. Very unfortunate. Great facility. Um, Linda, what's your sense of what's going to happen later this afternoon? Any gut feel that this is going to be reauthorized? Um, certainly my hope, but also my gut feeling uh, is that that you will have uh, both Republicans and uh, Democrats uh, supporting uh, reauthorization uh, in in the House, um, and certainly that's my, uh, as I say, my my hope. Then it goes on to uh, to the the Senate, uh, of course. Uh, but I think the upshot of of all this is that now uh, I, there are very few uh, international meetings or gatherings that I can go to where XM does not come up. And there's greater awareness uh, of uh, the important role that XM plays in supporting our uh, U.S. exporters. So I, I think while it has been very challenging these last uh, few months, the discourse has certainly allowed people to have a greater understanding and appreciation of, of the role uh, of the bank. Um, and I think uh, wherever you stand on on this issue, I think everyone, all members of Congress, want a strong America, and they want an America uh, that, an, where the economy is producing uh, jobs. I think that's something upon which everyone uh, can uh, can agree. Uh, Linda and uh, Don, I, I have a question that I, it always baffles me. Uh, manufacturing Talk Radio does talk about topics that, for the most part, aren't heard on mainstream uh, news media, uh, i.e. the L.A. Um, uh, port strike issue. Uh, we were reporting it from day one through uh, the eighth month. Uh, why, is, why is the media, uh, mainstream media, not really picking up on this? Why aren't they telling the public what's going on, what it means to them, instead of the uh, Republican rabble about how it's costing taxpayer money. That's the only thing I hear. And, and yeah, I, I don't know I, if there I'm is. I'm not really one. sure. Yeah, yeah, I don't really, I don't really have an answer. I, I don't know why they're not uh, covering it better. Um, we have an you know, for us, in, when, when the – go ahead. No, I was just going to say here in New York we have an expression, if it doesn't bleed, it doesn't lead. So uh, I don't know if that applies broad. <laughs> well, well, actually, the, the good news is over here in, in greater Philadelphia, Lou, is that there's been uh, a lot of, of coverage. There have been uh, a lot of our member companies, like I mentioned, WallQuest, there's SB Global Foods, Bassett's. 
who have written uh, articles, and and this has been reported uh, in uh, our Philadelphia Inquirer, but also in some of the local uh, county uh, newspapers. So I think uh, the, the word is getting out uh, from uh, you know the most important people, the the companies that depend upon this kind of of support to be successful globally. Uh, Linda, you do know, I know that it was Lauren, I think, that made the comment, but Lauren had to jump off because she said to Capitol Hill as well to uh, lobby on this very issue. Uh, what the rate is of the Senate, uh, any sense of when that vote will take place or what is likely to happen there? I, I think it was Lauren that was making the comment, but she's not with us. So, Linda, I'll ask you if you have any sense of that. Uh, I sense that through a prior vote uh, that it was uh, favorable towards uh, towards XM Bank. Of course, it all uh, depends upon uh, Mitch McConnell and his willingness to uh, to bring forward the the, the vote. But uh, my sense is is that uh, that there is a, a good a number. Of, there's a, a level of support within within the Senate uh, as as well. But beyond that, I cannot. I cannot say. Sure, I understand. I understand. Um, yeah, I think uh, I had heard, and you bring up Mitch McConnell also that uh, we aren't sure whether or not he will bring it to a vote. Um, so it could be hung up again. Uh, we certainly hope that that doesn't happen. Um, uh, Don, in your experience uh, with the XM Bank. Uh, and, and you said it was very easy to uh, use, but you hadn't heard about it. When did you first hear about XM? We first <clears throat> heard about it when we we started marketing to the Middle East um, back in 2005, um, and we just we were basically going blind. We had no idea what we were doing. I said, well, let's go over there and see if we can sell some equipment, and we we received an order. Um, so we get the purchase order, and then we find out we have to put up a bank guarantee. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, <laughs> what's this going to take? <clears throat> and um, so I talked to our bank, our local bank, and uh, they were like, no, we, we don't, we're not interested in that. They said, you might want to talk to a bank in the local country of where you're exporting to. So we went back over there, talked to the local banks, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can help you, no problem. Uh, so I, I meet with them. And they say, we can do this, but we're, we're going to charge you 25% interest, and we control the money. <laughs> so, so, you know, obviously that's not an option. Um, so I came back to, uh, to California and uh, met with many other banks. And finally I found somebody within our bank who said, well, you know what, the reason you're being told no is because you should be – talking to the international group in San Francisco who deals with, you know, the international, at that time it was called the, the Trade Bank, which mm -hmm. was Wells Fargo and HSBC partnered up. And uh, so once we found that group, it became very seamless. Um, had we not found that group, we, we would not have been able to fulfill that order uh, because the only thing we could find in the private sector were loan sharks. And and the reason I asked you that question, and I really appreciate your answer, you hit the nail right on the head. The uh, opponents of the XM Bank feel that it should be a private sector function. 
And I just want our listeners to understand that when you go to uh, your corner bank, who may have 12 branches in your county, they know nothing about international trade and export. They That's exactly correct. They probably can't even refer you, Don. Fortunately, you were lucky to find someone who could to the right department of a big enough bank that actually does understand it. We were very fortunate because you're right. I talked to several local regional business banks thinking, well, they'll help us. You know, that's what they do. They're a business bank. And when I told them it was an international project, they go, we don't do international business. You know, sorry. Um, let me let me just so, add, add. I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead, Linda, please. Just add to that. For that reason, when I came here in 2009, became president of the World Trade Center of Greater Philadelphia, uh, I knew that access to uh, to financing, financial solutions, uh, should be a key part of any export strategy. So we launched a whole export finance uh, uh, program. Uh, with the participation and support of our uh, trade finance, our commercial banks, uh, TD Bank, Wells Fargo, PNC, uh, HSBC, Santander, um, among among others. Uh, and together we uh, produce uh, seminars where uh, exporters can learn about the financing that is available through these uh, commercial banks who are delegated authority lenders uh, with with the XM uh, bank. And we also provide information on programs available through SBA and now on uh, how to use uh, foreign exchange uh, with the, the changing value of the U.S. dollar. That's another topic that's very important. Uh, but this this should be a key part of any exporter's uh, strategy, how to minimize risk, how to increase sales uh, through the use of these kinds of, of financial uh, products. Right, right. I One think of the things I, I can add to that is as part, of, as part of the advisory committee for the bank, um, that was one of the things that uh, several of us on the committee brought up was it was not easy to find you guys. And, uh, and, <laughs> right. and, and the bank and yeah, and the bank was was doing a lot of work, really good work on improving that. They were developing online tools, uh, I mean a multitude of different ways for people to learn about the XM bank. So um, you know until the charter lapsed, um, they were making great headway on improving improving the, you know the visibility of the bank and its services to to uh, exporters like myself. Well, well that's certainly uh, one of the big issues that I think, uh, uh, at least I hope, gets, gets brought up on Capitol Hill, is that for the small to mid-sized business, getting access to the right bank in their community for them to export their product is not an easy task. Uh, they don't, those, those local banks don't do international uh, work. Uh, they don't necessarily know who does international work. So if they want to grow exports in this country, the kind of uh, programs that you're putting together, Linda, are invaluable to get that word out. Uh, we certainly thank you for, for doing that. How uh, are, are the results of that, unfortunately, now in the face of the reauthorization being stuck, how were the results prior to that? 
Uh, very good. We had very good attendance uh, and uh, very good usage of, of uh of uh, the export credit insurance in particular, the building blocks for small businesses, I always call them building blocks, are the export credit insurance uh, policies as well as uh, the working capital uh, support. And that's what a lot of our, our companies uh, largely uh, use. They do use some of the customer finance, but it's it's largely the, uh, the, the, the former too. So that, as I always say, you can put your head on that pillow at night knowing that if you have a uh, an insurance policy, if your buyer uh, fails to pay, then uh, the policy will provide you with the uh, with the proceeds. Or if you have uh, an insurance uh, policy, export credit policy, then you know you have the comfort maybe to give your, uh, your buyer uh, 30, 60, 90 day or more payment terms. And in the end, that buyer may say, that's great, I'm going to increase the sale uh, the size of the sale uh, that that uh, that I'm making uh, today. So um, that's that's what a lot of our our companies use, as well as the working capital support. So they have access to the means if they win an export order, they can use the working capital support to purchase inventory, perhaps to hire people. Uh, very very useful uh, programs. Yes, that's certainly one of the things that. Uh, uh we want our listeners to understand is that it does free up capital so that they can uh, uh, use that capital elsewhere in the business. Uh, is that what you also discovered, Don, uh, when you were able to use it? It, it? it did free up capital for you to use it elsewhere in the business to grow your business? Very much so. Um, you know, as an example, we, we have a current order for some uh, steam extractors uh, from the country of Colombia and requires a bank guarantee. And the only option we have on this particular project in Colombia is to put up 100% collateral. Fortunately um, for us, it's a small enough order. It's you know a little under a couple, about $150,000 order. And um, so we are going to put up 100% collateral so we can do this job to try to you know keep from laying off more people. Um, but you know now our, our our you know we're tying up a lot of money that we could be using to go out and find more work. Uh, right. So it's, it's, the XM Bank is invaluable to small businesses who are in the export business. It's just absolutely invaluable. John, let me ask you if you would share with our listeners uh, either your company URL or an email address if uh, you wouldn't mind uh, uh, an email or two coming at you uh, to maybe answer some questions or help some of our listeners out, if you would share that. Yeah, sure. Uh, my email address is D Nelson, D as in Don Nelson, at progage.us, and that's P-R-O-G-A-U-G-E dot U-S. Thank you very much. And Linda, could we get you to share uh, either a URL or an email address with our listeners in case they want to get a hold of uh, of the uh, World Trade Bank of Greater Philadelphia? Uh, yes, World Trade Center of Greater Philadelphia is www.wtcphila.org. Uh, that is our website. contains a tremendous amount of information. And uh, my email address is lconlin at wtcphila.org. And that's L-C-O-N-L-I-N, correct? Exactly, exactly. 
great. I would also encourage our listeners to go to the National Association of Manufacturers. There's a ton of information there. If you're not a member, probably a great idea to join the National Association of Manufacturers. Uh, Lou, any final comments as we wrap up the show? Any questions for our guests? Uh, the NAMS uh, address is nam.org. Uh, and Tim, you're right, there's a ton of information. Uh, this was uh, a very enlightening show. Uh, I appreciate uh, all of your collective uh, wisdom and understanding of the uh, problems uh, that exist at XM. And um, hopefully it will be resolved or half resolved uh, later this afternoon. Um, There's probably a lot of backroom conversations going on right now, uh, as, as exemplified by the fact that two of our guests had to leave. But, again, I want to thank uh, you all for being on our show. Uh, this show uh, will be podcast as, uh, as soon as the show is uh, over, and I would recommend that you go to mfgtalkradio.com and uh, tell all your friends and family and uh, get those uh, tweets out, and uh, uh, we, we'd appreciate that. So thank you again, and Tim, thanks for another good show. So we certainly appreciate having our guests on, Don. Thank you for being with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And, Linda, we certainly appreciate your input as well. Thank you, Tim. I enjoyed being part of the discussion this morning. Well, we enjoyed having you. I just want to remind our listeners that next uh, Tuesday we are having Brad Holcomb on the show. Brad, it's always uh, important to give us the uh, latest uh, purchasing managers index uh, coming up on what's uh, happening in manufacturing. It's a very good read. We are also taking a look at what the footprint looks like in 2020 for manufacturing uh, in the United States, what kind of plant locations are going to happen and why they're making those strategic decisions now. So we encourage people to tune in next week uh, to hear Brad Holcomb's read. By the way, For those of you who don't get our newsletter, which will be out very shortly, uh, we have some early indications that new orders have picked up from September. We'll see if Brad's report also reflects that. We certainly hope it does. That's the big driver for a growing economy. So we look forward to that information in Brad's report next week. Tune in at mfgtalkradio.com to hear the show. And until next week, we appreciate all of our listeners today. Send an email to your congressman. Tell them to reauthorize the XM Bank, and let's get the economy moving forward. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.